Hi, and welcome back to this podcast, Boy and the Wolves of Chilga, the first in the Wolves of Chilga series. Episode 7 The Forest and Beyond. With Fleetfoot lost to them, the pack continued down the many steps towards the jungle forest. Forest canopy was getting nearer. Boy had to keep wiping the sweat from his eyes so he could see. The sun was dazzling. He could feel the white-hot power building inside him. Then he saw the birds had moved. They'd gone. The sky was clear. It didn't make sense. He could not believe they'd given up. He grabbed Biter so he could turn and look behind him. Look, Biter! There! He pointed furiously. There they are, just above the forest. There must be two, no, three of them. Silent this time, rushing towards them. Skimming the canopy, he watched them swerve to come to the rock wall behind him, then twist like fighter planes so they were vertical, flying along the wall towards them. He thought of the beautiful wolf lost trying to protect him, felt the anger and power grow. He felt the jolting of Biter running down the steps, gasped as he slipped towards the wall, felt a graze on his arm, felt the pain, felt the anger, the pain, the power. He was ready. He would make them pay. I hate you, he screamed. Why don't you die? He lashed out, jabbing at them as he spoke. Then he gasped as the first bird screeched in pain, feathers alight, his whole body on fire. The second and third birds too close, crashing into it, smashing against the rock, spinning out of control, falling out of the sky. Spinning slowly now, as if in slow motion, smoke trailing behind them, they disappeared into the forest canopy below. Boy looked around. Others were coming, except this time the anger had gone. He was confused. Had the power drained away? They were coming from below, their talons outstretched. Fear and panic rose in him. No, his mind shouted. The lead bird screeched in surprise, peeled away, the ones behind it following its lead. They circled and started to return. Again, he's ordered to go, and this time they turned and, screeching defiance, flapped their wings furiously and flew across the treetops. The wolves neared the forest canopy. The heat was worse. The rock wall was dripping with moisture from the clinging mold. It was the noise, though. Birds and animals. Boy had no idea what they were. They were still descending, and he clung on to bite her tightly. Boy realized the trees had to be huge, for the pack was still high up. Giant vines hung down from many trees. He could see the brown jungle floor far, far beneath them. The wolves eventually halted and began sniffing the air. They were talking about the smells and trying to decide if there was any immediate danger. They sensed there were mostly small animals around them. Biter assured Boy they could tell the difference between the scent of a small prey and large beasts, even if the creatures were strange to them. But there are other smells, predator smells. Old, but there, they would need to take care. They continued down the steps. The jungle was so rich in colors now, they were nearer to the jungle floor. So many different shades of green. Bushes with flowers of deep reds and purples. The ground now clearer, dark brown, in places covered with lush grasses. To the right, a half-fallen tree, creating an impenetrable screen. To the left, a small clearing, light flowing in from it. Wolves froze as a deep roar came from behind the screen. In the distance, but who knew how far away? Biter turned to Growler, 
and whispered to Malena and Boy, Whatever it is, it is not hunting. It is a territory cry. It fears little. The wind is coming towards us. It can't smell us, but be still, very still. The roar again, this time louder. It was moving towards them. They could hear it now, brushing through the undergrowth, snuffling sounds as it tasted the different smells around it. Boy felt biter, tensing his muscles beneath him, saw Wolfser, Hunter and the others lower their backs so they could spring forward at the animal. His mouth felt dry. The rustling stopped, the sniffing of the air louder. Boy realized in horror it had to be the other side of the fallen tree. His mouth opened. Through the upper branches of the fallen tree, he could see a grey shape. The top of its back, it was massive. Use your power, boy, said Wolfser. Boy felt panic rising. There was nothing there. He didn't feel calm or angry. He didn't feel the build-up inside him. He just felt scared. It was so big. He was sure it must be much bigger than an elephant even. Perhaps twice as big. The creature suddenly went silent. It started to turn. Its back was sideways to them. He heard it snort, and then through the branches of the fallen tree, a spray like a hose, a massive hose of yellow, not clear water. It was peeing, he thought. He couldn't stop himself laughing, held his hand to his mouth. He felt the fear drain away. The laughter wouldn't stop. It was the biggest pee in the world, he thought. Then it stopped. The snuffling amongst the forest started, and the rustling and the growling. It was going away. Boy's stomach was hurting, the relief, the craziness. He collapsed onto Biter's back and stayed there, arms locked around his neck. Boy felt Biter relax and hang his head for a second, and then shake it. The jungle, the bird, Fleetfoot, now this giant of a creature. Boy, I do wonder what sort of land we have entered. Before we move, Ulster said, let us for a moment remember Fleetfoot. He gave his life for Boy and the pack. He will be remembered in our tales of glory, of the coming together of the clan. There was a rumbling of agreement. For now, we must be on our guard. Hunter, you and Silverback must scout the land for us when we move. Small ears will cover our rear. At night, we will have a guard at all times. This forest is full of unknown dangers. But, he looked up and around, this journey has already been too long. We cannot tarry. We must be as swift as we dare. Meanwhile, the Emperor's soldiers were at the tunnel entrance. Spears up! Control that horse! Soldier! Here they come again! The captain looked around, desperately seeking a way out. The men shouting, the screams of the terrified horses, the bone-chilling screech of the birds. The birds! He had never seen such creatures. They came out of nowhere, giant killer birds. They had taken two men and horses already. There had to be a way out. He looked around wildly. The light was in his eyes. He could barely see the birds against the brilliance of the rising sun. His heart leapt. Look, behind you, behind you, all of you. The shadow on the wall. It's a tunnel opening. Back up. Quickly towards it. It must be where they went. Look out. They're circling lower again. Quickly, before they tack again. The wolves, though, were running through the forest, jumping over branches, swerving around trees and bushes. 
Initially, Boy concentrated on hanging on as Baito turned this way and that. But the days of riding now meant he quickly adjusted to this new way of running. Just then, Hunter called back for them to slow. They gathered quietly and traced their way around a huge bush that was blocking their path. There, still, perfectly still, stood Hunter and Silverback. They were watching something. Dear, said Hunter quietly, look through the bush and see. Baito and the others crept up and gazed through the less bushy parts. Boy saw a herd of deer. Maybe twenty, thirty, it was difficult to see. But the deer were not like those at home, because they were all as tall as Baita. They were huge. At that point, there was a snort from the other side of the herd. It was the stag. His eyes looked around, checking for danger, sensing something was wrong. The female deer parted, and Boy could see it properly as it moved nearer the bush. It was even bigger, bigger than Hunter. The massive set of antlers had pointed prongs that faced out at any attacker. Around its head and hind quarters was thick skin, like armor plating, in segments so it could move easily. The thick skin merged into a fine fur around its middle. But running along its back, all the way to its stumpy tail, were short horns curved towards its rear. It would take a whole pack to bring down such a beast, whispered Biter. Then Boy heard him wonder in awe. So, why does he need such protection? How big are the hunters here? Boy felt a chill run through him as he realized what Biter meant. The giant birds, oversized trees and deer, a land of giants where even the wolves may not be able to protect him. We must stay calm, Wusa directed. He turned away and the others followed. At a safe distance he gathered them together. It is as I feared. There is great danger here. We must learn to be the hunted as well as the hunters. Silverback, lead us around the deer. I do not wish to draw attention to ourselves. Boy looked across at Melena, saw his own worries reflected in her face. He half smiled, but before he could think of anything to say, Silverback and Hunter had leapt forward, and Biter and the others were following. Meanwhile, the soldiers felt his frustration growing with every step. The horses had to be walked up the steps. The captain was sure they were losing time. Perhaps we should wait here, captain. We could set traps for them. They have to come back this way, don't they? The sergeant looked and felt nervous. Perhaps, sergeant, you should concentrate on doing what I say. Stopping is not a good idea. He gripped the soldier by the throat. Does it not occur to you, sergeant, that the most obvious reason for their journey is to bring back more packs of wolves? Who will be trapped then? Eh? Fool! Move! We've wasted enough time. Wolfsa stopped running and looked around. We need to rest soon, and I sense water. I sense it too, said Biter. Can you smell it, boy? Boy sniffed the air. There were so many scents and smells, almost assaulting his nose. He had no way of recognizing the gentle scent of water. No, but I am thirsty. Be good to stop and drink. I would not disagree, boy. For while you may look a lot slimmer, in truth, I am sure you do not get any lighter. Boy laughed apologetically and stroked his back. Sorry, Biter. Before he knew it, Hunter was calling for them to stop. They were at the edge of the clearing. It seemed quiet, 
and the only movement, a heat mist rising from the stream itself. Across the clearing, a tree had fallen. Slimmer than most, it had fallen a third of the way across the clearing. It had few branches, and they were close to the trunk, so we could still see across the whole area. The wolves carefully moved to the edge. We will water and rest for the night near the trees, Wolfsa said. Greypaws and Runlong, stand guard whilst we drink. The pack then drank and returned to the edge of the clearing, where they could rest and be hidden. There was little conversation. They felt the loss of Fleetfoot. They knew they were going to have to cross this dangerous jungle only to return. There were few happy thoughts around the pack. A noise, something moving in the jungle. Biter hissed to boy Melena. Stand behind me. There is something out there. It's big. It moves without effort to disguise its presence. Only one who fears little acts like this. As one, the pack moved into the forest undergrowth and hid from view. Boy and Melena exchanged worried glances. Everyone was still. Boy felt Biter's breath on his neck, felt the reassurance of his presence so close to him. The noise grew. A growl. Dark and deep and loud. Look, boy, whispered Melena, nudging him to look across the clearing. The bushes were moving. He strained to see through the leaves. They moved again. He felt quite tense. Then it was there. It was coming out of the bushes, green and brown, bigger than the wolves, much bigger and broader, like a giant cat, but with massive paws. It curled back its mouth to reveal vicious-looking pointed teeth. It stopped halfway out of the bushes and roared again. It looked around, sniffed the air. It continued towards the water, leisurely, graceful, but huge and deadly. Boy could only stare. It halted, sniffing the air. It was looking around and then focused its gaze in their direction. It dropped its head, looking straight across the clearing to where they were hidden. Its eyes so large, Cold and hard, the wolves shifted in alarm. He must have spotted them. Boy could hardly breathe. He felt the fear and power began to gather within him. He could save them. He would save them. He was sure. He focused everything on the giant cat. No, he commanded in his mind. Go back. The beast stopped mid-stride, put its head to one side, a voice in his head, a voice of authority, like Wolfsa, but different. Not Wolfsa's. Harder and colder in tone. One word. Why? It said in his mind. Then continued towards them. Boy panicked. He felt the power. Why didn't he stop the creature? It spoke though. And to him, it must know he is there. All he could think about was repeating the command. Stop! He wanted to shout out loud. But somehow it didn't seem right. The giant cat ignored him. It just continued its slow, steady walk towards them, its eyes now fixed on him. The boy could not think. What could he do? It would kill them all. I can't stop it, Wolsa, he said in his mind. It reached the fallen tree and started to step over it. Then suddenly the small branches on the tree flattened. The end of the tree that went into the bushes reared. It had a head, a snake's head. The other end near the stream rose. It was the snake's tail. 
It wasn't a tree at all. It was a monster-sized snake. Almost quicker than the eye could follow, it curled around the giant cat. The snake's head, huge, as big as biters. Its jaws opened as it swung up and above the giant cat. Lightning fast, the giant cat realized the danger, turned its head to face the snake. Too late, the snake's head dived down, its massive jaws and fangs biting and holding the back of the giant cat's neck. The coils continued to wrap around it. The giant cat half-turned and raked the snake's body with its claws. Blood poured from the snake. Side. Its coils tightened. It was horrible to watch. No, he shouted in his head. Stop! This time out loud. The wolf startled, jumped to one side. Boy was now focused on the snake. It released its grip. Blood poured from its wound. It reared up in confusion. Go! Boy commanded, his arms outstretched, palms up facing the snake as he walked steadily into the clearing. The snake backed away, uncoiling from the injured giant cat's body. Still rearing up, it slithered backwards and away into the forest. The giant cat lay on its side, panting. It lifted its head and then gradually stood up. Blood covered its neck where the snake had bitten it. The same word, the same voice, forced and in pain, questioning why the huge beast slowly turned and painfully walked to the stream. It lay by the bank and lapped up some water. Boy began walking slowly towards the wounded animal. There was a movement, a rustling behind him, and he felt Malena just behind him. Biter called out to them, but then he heard Wolf's quiet command. Let them go. Boy did not understand why he was doing this. He felt his heart thumping, his legs were wooden, and yet he knew, he knew he had to go and took heart that Malena had grown to trust his instincts. The walk to the water's edge seemed to last forever. Each step seemed to pound in his ears. He saw the giant cat turn to watch them, while resting his head on its paws. Boy reached it. The giant cat looked at him, with eyes that seemed to take him in and understand all of him before it shifted its gaze to Malena, who'd bent down to the water's edge and was soaking his old jumper in the water. She stood and reached up to wipe the fur and wound. It flinched and growled, half-turning, then returned to rest its head on its paws again. Malena stopped, then continued to wipe the blood away. Malena ripped the jumper into two and pointed to the other side of the beast. Nodding, Boy took the bloodied cloth and washed it out before walking slowly round to begin cleaning the other side. When they had done, the giant cat lurched to his feet. It looked deep into Boy's eyes. The eyes, they held him as completely as any chain. He felt their strength and power. The voice again, this time calmer, considered, Our paths will cross again. I will remember this day. It slowly and painfully turned and walked away from the clearing, away from the wolves. Boy stood there, wet jumper in hand, watching him go. The wolves slowly came out from the bushes. No one quite knew what to say. Boy turned to Malena. Thank you. It's very brave of you to come with me. She smiled. It was the right thing to do, and I trust your power. He didn't know how to answer, and somehow worried at the responsibility. The wolves were forming a semicircle around him. Before he could speak, Wolfsa stepped forward. That you have saved the pack and the journey from ruin? Is in no doubt, 
He stopped and considered for a moment. Boy looked into Wolf's eyes. It spoke to me, though. I, I just knew I had to. He shrugged his shoulders because he didn't understand why he'd done it. Only that he had to do it. The wolves turned to Wolfsa. I heard no voice, said Wolfsa quietly. He nodded, clearly thinking. Then perhaps your gesture was both brave and important. Today we cannot know. Hunter Silverback, check that both the snake and the injured hunter have moved away. He looked up at the darkening skies. Let us rest the best we can. Meanwhile, the soldiers drank greedily as the captain stood, arms crossed, looking out of the jungle. He had no idea how much time they'd lost. The forest below them was a blow. It would be hard work to catch them in this terrain. The steps would also be difficult for the horses again. And birds can fly over mountains. He would have to keep an eye on the sky. Sergeant, time to move. The next day, the wolf pack continued to run. It was exhausting. Every sound to be listened to, every movement to be double-checked. Nothing to be trusted. Snakes that could so cleverly disguise themselves and predators the size of the giant cat were warnings of what could lie ahead. By evening, Biter and Growler were tired beyond measure. Melena and Boy could not run. It was too dangerous. In turn, they were both sore and weary. Again, the staff practice was put aside, and they quickly and quietly lay down to sleep against the already sleeping form of Biter. Boy woke early the next day. His sleep had been deep and dreamless. He lay against the warmth and softness of Biter's fur, his head and body moving with Biter's breathing. He leaned forward, stretched, and looked around. The others were still sleeping, other than Hunter and Silverback, the two wolves keeping watch. A new sound made him look up. It was a bird, a large bird, with plumage of reds and yellows and the deepest purples. It was breathtakingly beautiful. Its call was so tuneful. He watched as it opened its purple and white wings and flew to the next tree, away from the camp. Entranced, he followed it. Only a few metres. The wolves were still quite close, so he felt it was safe. He became aware of him. It ceased its call, looked down, and then flew two trees away to begin its song all over again. He started to follow and then stopped. In front of him was a patch of thick reedy grass, as tall as him. In the middle, though, was a flower of such beauty. He'd never been much for flowers, no, no interest in his dad's garden, but this was different. The flower head had to be three feet wide. Two giant petals, one above the other. They were red and yellow and green. Between the two petals, four small fruits swayed. They looked so tasty like strawberries, but redder and more succulent-looking. He wondered, perhaps if he picked one and sniffed it, that could do no harm. It didn't seem to be dangerous here. He licked his lips. He was so thirsty, and the sweet perfume tempted him. He leaned forward and was just about to touch it when he heard Bice's command. Stop, fool! Do not move! He stood stock still, his arm outstretched. What was behind him? Seconds passed, nothing. Where were they? Where was the danger? What could the danger be? It had to be something behind him. He gathered himself, ready to leap into the reeds for cover. He heard a rustling behind him. What sort of animal? He got ready to launch himself when he felt a large stick brush past his head. 
It hit the flower and the two petals instantly curled back to reveal rows of teeth. The petal or mouth snapped together, crushing the stick and disappeared into the reeds. He felt Biter grab his arm and throw him to the ground away from the reeds, just as a head reappeared, jaws gaping and slammed shut exactly where he'd been standing. Shaken and bruised, he slowly got up to find himself looking into Biter's angry face. When will you learn that it is just not your own foolish life you risk, but those of our families, the sick and the dying at home? Biter turned away before he could say anything. Boy's face was burning. He felt so stupid and frightened. Melina came up and looked at him. Then she shook her head and grimacing, squeezed his arm and put her hand on his shoulders. They walked back slowly, saying nothing. Boy knew he should say something, though. He felt sick, realizing how close he'd come to being killed. He also hated the fact Biter had shouted at him. Thank you, Biter. I- I- I'm sorry. Next time, it'll be me that bites your head off, the wolf retorted, before sighing. You frightened me, boy, he said now in a calm voice. You are like a pack leader one moment, a young cub the next. He gently pushed his head into Boy's back, nudging him towards the camp. It is as well Malena knows how to throw that short staff of hers. It was a great throw, Boy smiled at Malena. I can't believe a flower could be that deadly. Well, you haven't done too bad so far, said Malena. Although, what you did just now was pretty stupid. She started to giggle, and he started to laugh too. Then Biter was wheezing his laughter. They were both leaning against Biter as they walked between them, relief suddenly overwhelming all three of them. The pack, and especially Wolsa, looked on in disbelief as they walked into the camp still laughing. The pack ran for the rest of the morning, slowing only when they could feel a rumble of feet or a loud noise that meant a large animal of some sort. Boy noticed it was getting lighter in front of them. He couldn't make sense of it. But before he could say anything, they burst out into sunshine and fields. The ground, a gentle slope down towards the rolling hills that stretched out in front of them. The wolves were not looking at the hills in the far distance. They were staring as one at a grey mass at the base of the long slope. What is it, Biter? I can't make it out this far away. Animals. It's a herd of some sort. But I have never seen such animals. I think they are eating grass. There were quiet growls of agreement. I agree they are grass eaters, said Wolfter. We can probably go around them without going too far from our path. He signaled that this was his intention, and they set off down the grassy slopes. The air smelt so sweet and cleaner here, with a gentle breeze so much less humid than in the jungle. Wolsa was taking them to the left of the herd, and gradually he could make out more detail. They were full-bodied with triangular-shaped horns that ran down the whole of their back and the length of their thick tail. They had long, thick necks. It meant they could eat the grass without their bodies leaning down. The heads were plated in armour with horns on top. He watched in amazement. As they ran along nearing the herd, it began to dawn on Boy. Why the wolves had been so astonished? It was their size. They were huge. They were as big as a two-story house. 
The lead ones had stopped eating to watch the wolves and had clearly decided there were no threat. But at that point, the lead one turned, looked behind the wolves and bellowed. The whole herd started bellowing and closing in on itself. Without anything being said between them, the pack immediately increased its pace. Boy felt by to speed and had to concentrate on staying on. The pack was soon in full flight. Boy felt the familiar tightening and churning in his stomach. Something was very wrong. He gripped Biter hard with his hands and legs and leant down low. He was being jolted and banged as Biter sprinted along with the others. The ground was rushing past so fast he knew it would be very painful to fall off. What was it that could make the pack take flight? Then he heard it. A roar. So loud it made his ears hurt. A roar that sent his blood cold, yet he dared not turn as the wolves streaked down the long hill. The thumping, it wasn't his heart, it was the ground and came from whatever was behind him. The roar again and distressed bellows from the herd. Wolves were slowing and turning. As Baita swung round, he was able to see the herd crowded together, jostling each other. Beyond them, and moving steadily and determinedly towards them, was a monster of a hunter. Its large, long head leaning forward, its giant beak now open to reveal rows of deadly teeth. Its two small, leathery, grey front legs and claws held out in front of it. The thick, muscled, grey body held upright on two massive rear legs. Its long tail swished backwards and forwards. He now understood the flight of the wolves. But when it stood upright, it was even taller and bigger than the herd animals. Wolfsa did not wait to see what would happen. As one, they turned and ran, the roars and bellows of the beast and herd gradually diminishing. Now it was a controlled run, not flight, eyes and ears watchful for other predators. Although the immediate danger was past, Boy remained frightened. He knew for sure he was in a world where these giants of wolves could not protect him. A world of true monsters. This was Boy and the Wolves of Chilga, written, narrated and recorded by Simon Taylor. For more information about Simon Taylor, his books, radio broadcasts and school storytelling, go to www.simontaylorstoryteller.com.